0: Care to join us? Learn how at Bellencat.com.
1: Welcome to World Weekly with me, Ben Hall. South Africa was convulsed this week by news that Praveen Gordon, the country's highly respected finance minister, is facing fraud charges in what appears to be the latest episode in a power struggle with President Jacob Zuma and his allies. The plans to charge Mr Gordon sent the rand tumbling down nearly 4% against the dollar, and could jeopardise not only the country's investment-grade credit rating, but also its reputation for economic stability in a turbulent region. The prosecutor's move came just two weeks before Mr Gordon was due to present plans to kick-start the economy and reassure investors about the direction of the ANC government. Many in South Africa suspect the charges against Mr Gordon are trumped up and designed to give Mr Zuma total control over the levers of power in the last three years of his presidential term and to stop the Treasury from clamping down on corruption and patronage. Joining me here in the studio, Joseph Cottrell, the FT Southern Africa correspondent, and Andrew England, his predecessor in The Post, and now Middle East and Africa news editor. Joseph, can I start with you? Can you just explain to our listeners, what is this case about?
0: It's part of a long-running saga affecting not the National Treasury, which Mr Gordon now heads, but an institution he headed previously, the South African Revenue Service, to so the tax service, basically. He was a commissioner in there for over a decade. And the core of the investigation is about an alleged rogue espionage unit used by the tax office. On Tuesday, the national prosecutor in South Africa said this rogue unit may have been set up unconstitutionally. And that investigation is ongoing, but that is not what Mr Gordon is being charged with for now, anyway, the allegation of fraud actually relates to his approval of the early retirement of an employee of the tax office. So basically, it's a bit like getting Al Capone through his accountant, not that we're suggesting Mr. Gordon is in any way like Al Capone.
1: But there's obviously a much bigger story at play. Just talk us through the sort of backdrop to this. And if there is a power struggle, why are Mr. Zuma and his allies so anxious to reign in mr gordon
0: if we turn the clock back to last december when there was an even bigger crisis in the round than there has been this week when mr zuma in events which are a bit like deja vu now tried to replace a previously well-respected finance minister lana nene with a little known ANC MP called des van ruin the market sold off even more kind of heavily when that occurred And eventually, and a bit ironically in later events, Mr. Zuma had to bring in Mr. Gordon as a safe pair of hands. So we know from that period of time that Mr. Zuma has been quite interested in getting his own man into the Treasury.
1: So why doesn't he just do it and sack Gordon?
0: It's a tough time for the economy at the moment. I mean, Mr. Zuma has the ability with any cabinet minister to hire or fire. Uh, Mr. Gordon uh, has, you know, conceded that he could be got rid of in a phone call if it kind of came to that. However, with the economy on the knife edge at the moment, growth being very slow, unemployment being very very high, Mr. Zuma can't act overnight. And so it's interesting that in recent months the rand has been recovering from the December crisis. You can almost wonder if Mr Zuma is kind of waiting for the markets to quieten down before making his next move.
1: Andrew, is this a story about Jacob Zuma's weakness, then?
2: No, not at all. I think it's a story about, in a sense, the fact that he's still there, that he's still calling shots, if we assume that he's behind this. I mean, he's been for a tumultuous period. He's had a constitutional court ruling against him. The ANC's just done very badly in local elections, the worst election performance since it came to power in 1994... So everybody's been assuming at the various stages that he would be chastened or he would be weakened. But, I mean, the fact that you still have these power struggles going on, and if you believe that it's President Zuma directing this, that he's still calling the shots, shows that he's still the man who controls the top ANC structures. The cabinet is standing beside him. The top structures of the ANC are still very much standing beside him. So in a sense, it shows you that the president who's been surrounded by scandals, led the party that liberated or led the liberation against South Africa to its worst ever election performance, is still in a position where these kind of things can be happening. Actually shows you, one, that there is a power struggle in the ANC, but two, that he hasn't actually been in any way chastened. And uh, people who are seen to be opposing him or against him feel that they're intimidated and under pressure.
1: Does the opposition feel that it can capitalise on this affair then or will it not really
2: affect voters'
1: opinions anymore?
2: Well I think we saw that it did affect voters in the local elections which were on August the 3rd because although the opposition did well and they they, they now control Johannesburg Pretoria and Port Elizabeth for the first time it was more about the ANC doing badly and ANC voters not turning out rather than the DA doing particularly well, the DA being the main opposition. So that showed that there is already a Zuma effect in voters, particularly in urban areas where they're more exposed to the independent press and the black middle class. So this is the question that the ANC has to ask itself is, when does the scandals around the presidency become such a liability that there is a move to replace him as the ANC leader and effectively then as the president, or to retain him, because his second term as president of the country runs out in 2019. The ANC will have an elective congress in the end of 2017 when they are elected new leadership. Now, in theory, he could go for a third term as the ANC leader. That seems unlikely, but it is being talked about. So you've got all these different variables at play. So you've got the power struggles within the ANC. You've got essentially a succession race already starting to whether Zuma will be replaced, who will replace him as the ANC leader. And then there's a question of which camp is going to retain authority over the top ANC structures. Because The key things about the ANC is not its 700,000 members, it's its structures. So the NEC, the National Executive Committee, the top six, as they call them, the Thule House. And at the moment, it seems as though President Zuma still has control of those.
1: Joseph, do you feel that in any way the economically responsible or rather more orthodox faction with the ANC could be emboldened by this affair? Or are they likely just to remain fairly subservient to the president?
0: As Andrew says, I mean, since the local elections in August the whole movement has been looking inwards and licking its wounds. Uh, It's important to remember Pravin Gordon himself is an ANC stalwart. He's an activist for 40 years. He was jailed by the apartheid regime. Ironically, for such a well-regarded finance minister internationally, he started out as a communist. So this really is internal warfare within the ANC, splitting apart. Is there a quote-unquote economically responsible faction getting on top any time soon? In South Africa's richest province, Hauteng, there is a group of ANC politicians, but the ANC has now lost Johannesburg and Pretoria, the the two biggest cities in Hauteng. So does that economically more responsible faction actually have any credibility at this point within the party? That's a really hard question to answer.
1: So I'm going to ask you both a question. Who's going to win this tussle, the markets or President Zuma? Andrew?
2: Well, President Zuma's indicated previously he doesn't really care about the markets he sees them as this kind of thing out there and they react and they overreact they have knee-jerk reactions and then life goes back to normal after he went through the process of removing finance minister Nene and putting in this unknown backbencher Des Van Royen he said that the markets overreacted this was the best qualified guy I'd ever appointed and yet nobody had ever heard of him so as long as Zuma feels that he can control the structures of the ANC it does seem as though he doesn't really care about the market's reactions. I mean, in December, yes, then there was a pushback from the ANC leadership and from business, but more importantly from the ANC leadership because they saw their own savings going down the pan when the stock market was crashing, uh, when the RAM was going down. We haven't seen this around the latest issue. We haven't seen any of the big wigs in the party speaking out. We've seen, you know, one ANC chief whip in Parliament saying he supports Pravin Gordon. So, you know, as long as... The president feels that he's safe in his position. These things could keep happening. And it's so unpredictable right now. I mean, don't forget, you know, the president has 783 counts of fraud and corruption hanging over his head relating to a case that goes back years. But the high courts ruled that those charges to be reinstated. So he's got all these things hanging around him and the succession race. And so it seems to be all about him cementing his power and controlling the reins for as long as he can. So I wouldn't bet against anything.
1: Joseph, do you agree that he will be unbowed by investor sentiment?
0: We should maybe try answering that question again if Mr. Zuma actually tries to remove Mr. Gordon from office, which will now be the next piece of speculation that will occupy markets for the next few weeks. But if you look at the RAND, even after the sell-off this week, it's about 14.4 to the dollar. In that December crisis I mentioned, it nearly went to 17 against the dollar. So compared to that period, the market is a bit more sanguine. It may be much less sanguine if Mr. Gordon is removed. But the final point to remember is the RAND in global markets generally is seen as the great investment currency because you know local government debt in South Africa yields nine percent. So compared to the yields on US or UK government bonds, investors love to buy rand assets at this moment so they may just be looking for that yield ignoring political risk for the time being or looking the other way when events such as this week happen until we reach another crisis point like last december
1: well we'll be back to discuss that next crisis point my thanks to joseph cottrell and to andrew england world weekly is produced by fiona simon until next week goodbye if you enjoyed this discussion Listen to the FT News podcast in which FT editor Lionel Barber talks to Praveen Gordon about the state of South Africa. Go to ft.com slash podcasts.